ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I would love that. Don't get dramatic now, all right? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, we're still in the dead of winter. I'm recording this at the end of January 2022. We just got done with our first major snowfall of the season, and it reminded me how much I hate winter. I've talked about winter in previous episodes. Back in season two, I talked about winter as a child and how big it was and how important it was to be outside in the wintertime. We loved playing outside in the snow. At least, I remember us loving to play outside in the snow. I think it's because we didn't really have a choice. As I explained in that episode, we were always outside in the winter because our moms made us go outside. It wasn't just my mom. It was all of the moms in the neighborhood. All of the moms wanted the kids outside. We would get home from school around 3, 3.30, whatever time it was. We'd come in for our snacks because we always had snacks after school. We had to have something to tide us over till dinner. But then mom would say, all right, you have about an hour and a half until it's dark. It was always that passive-aggressive, almost manipulative invitation to go outside. We knew we were supposed to go outside. But she would never say anything so direct as, Get outside, you kids. Although that was the sentiment. It was always that passive-aggressive mom speak. All right, you have an hour and a half. It was that subtle manipulative way that moms have that would get you to do what they wanted you to do without them having to directly say, Go do this. My mom was a master of that. And especially so in the wintertime. Because really, who wants to go out in the cold? I mean, honestly, looking back, I do remember liking going outside as a kid. As I talked about the last time I talked about winter, which was all the way back in season two. I do remember enjoying being outside. I enjoyed the snowball fights. I enjoyed the sledding. I enjoyed making snowmen. I enjoyed the ice skating those few times that we got to go ice skating. I actually do remember enjoying it. I don't know when my old man jeans took over. But winter is not my favorite time of year anymore. But I do remember the fun that we had. So it wasn't like mom was forcing us to go do horrible things that we didn't enjoy. We enjoyed it. I just didn't realize until I got older that my mom really wanted us outside. And I think she just wanted a little extra peace. Because don't forget, when I was a kid, most of the moms were at-home moms. What we call these days stay-at-home moms. But that was standard when I was a kid. When I was a teenager, my mom did go back to work but on a part-time basis as a substitute teacher. But that's because she wanted to. These days, in this economy, pretty much every family seems to be a two-working-parent family. I mean, don't misunderstand. There's nothing wrong if everybody wants to go out and work. If both parents want to go out and work, that's fine, if that's what you want to do. But these days, it seems more necessary. When I was a kid, it was definitely an option. And when my parents were kids, there were no options. Mom stayed home, dads worked. But I digress. Getting back to going out to play. I remember the process of having to go out to play. We had to get into our snow clothes, our outdoor snow clothes. Now, there wasn't an official name for the snow clothes, except they were your play clothes for being in the snow. And one of the biggest things that my mom insisted we all have was snow pants. Now, I don't know if you ever had to have snow pants, but in my family, snow pants were required. Number one, we didn't want to get our school clothes or our play clothes wet in the snow. And number two, we didn't want to get frostbite. My mom firmly believed that if you were outside in the cold for too long, you would get frostbite, period. Now, too long for my mom was like five minutes. I'm not denying that you can get frostbite if you're outside in the cold too long. 
But in New Jersey, five minutes at 28 degrees is not going to give you frostbite. But try telling that to my mom. So we weren't allowed to go outside in jeans, even if we put long underwear under them. Oh yeah, long underwear. That was a thing. I'll tell you about that in a second too. But snow pants, that was the outside layer. We had to have snow pants. And snow pants were essentially ski pants. They were kind of an insulated polyester lined pant. And ideally, the snow pants were kind of like insulated overalls where you would pull them on over your underwear and tuck them into your boots because you also had to have boots. Oh, you couldn't go outside without boots. But don't let me jump ahead. The snow pants were an essential layer and they went on over your base layer. That's where the long underwear came in. Now, long underwear, that was a requirement if you were going outside to play. Now, long underwear always had that thermal weave that looked like waffling in the fabric. You can still find long underwear t-shirts and long underwear pants, like at Tractor Supply or at Amazon. That's not the standard anymore. That was a cotton weave, and they've determined that cotton makes you sweaty, and you hold the moisture in, and that makes you colder. I don't know the science, but the experts have said, no, no, you don't want that cotton weave. You want these polyester, skin-tight, form-fitting jumpsuits that whisk the moisture away while you're sweating underneath all your winter clothes. We didn't have any of that fancy stuff. We had waffle weave long underwear. No, there were no fancy colors, always white. White long underwear, you had long pants that you would tuck into your socks, and long sleeves. That was your base layer. You had to wear that. Now, on top of that, for your legs, you would pull your snow pants on. And if they were the overall type, obviously, you'd flip them up and put the suspenders over your shoulders. But before you could do that, you had to get your next layer of upper body protection on. Usually, you'd put a sweatshirt on top of that. Why? Well, because mom said so. That's why. So you'd have your long underwear t-shirt on. Then you'd pull a sweatshirt on over that. Then you'd pull your snow pants on. And then you'd flip the bib for the overall part up to your chest flip the suspenders over your shoulders and fasten them in the back. So you'd have your snow pants on, you'd have your long underwear on, you'd have your sweatshirt on. Now came the coat. Couldn't be just any coat. Had to be a winter coat. Had to be insulated. Ideally, it would be a parka. You know, one of those parkas with the big hoods and the fur around the front of the hood. Oh, I had one of those for years. I didn't like it. I wanted one of those Western style coats, the cloth coat with the Sherpa fur on the inside. Those were cool looking coats. Couldn't get one though. They didn't have a hood. We always had to have a hood. We always had to have the hood, even though we also wore a knit cap. Oh, yeah, you couldn't be warm enough for mom. I think mom's standard was if she thought she was going to be cold and this is what she would wear to stay warm, that's what we had to wear. I think that was the gauge she used. But yeah, we had to have a knit hat. We had to have a coat with a hood. And of course, we had to have hand coverings. Now, as a kid, you always wanted gloves so you could form snowballs, hold the rope for the sled, make perfect snowmen, whatever. You wanted gloves. Yeah, too bad. Mom wanted you to wear mittens. Why did mom want you to wear mittens? Well, when your hands are in gloves, your fingers are all separated and they can get cold. But if your hands are in a mitten, the fingers are all together and your hands stay warmer that way. Yeah, mom, I know. That's the science. But it really ruins my ability to make and throw snowballs. I'm just telling you, mom. Mom wouldn't hear that logic. She wanted you in mittens. You wore mittens. Now, we had different kinds of mittens. They were usually wool mittens. My great aunt actually knitted me a pair of mittens, which I still have. That's how good she was. When I was a kid, she gave me these wool mittens, and I actually used them when I used to run in the wintertime. They were really warm. Mom was right. Your hands do stay warmer in mittens, especially when you're running. And since when I was running, I wasn't throwing many snowballs, I wasn't worried about how easily I could move my fingers. But as a kid, I didn't care. I needed my fingers. But mom didn't care, so I wore mittens. But for years and years, I wore those mittens that my great aunt knitted for me back when I was like 12 years old. 
Yes, they were huge when I was 12. They're just right now as a grown-up. I think my great-aunt only knitted mittens one size, one size fits all. Not like they stretched or anything, it was just one size. But boy, they worked. But I went through my entire childhood without gloves. I didn't get gloves till I got to high school. We always had mittens. Now, the mittens that I never had to wear but my brother and sister had are those mittens that are on a string. Have you seen those? I don't know if they still make those. But what you had was knit mittens on a very long string. When I say very long, maybe three or four feet long. Because here's how you would use them. You would take the kid's coat and feed one mitten down each sleeve. And the string connecting the mittens would go down each sleeve and along the back of the coat. So what would happen is, when you put your coat on, you'd put your arm down the sleeves of the coat, and the mittens would be dangling out the end of the sleeve. The point of the string was to make sure that you couldn't lose the mittens. I probably should have had that, because I always lost mittens. I was king of the mismatched mittens. I'd lose one, we'd have to get another pair. I'd lose one of those, so I'd have a mismatched pair. But I remember my brother and sister had the string mittens, and they never lost mittens. Now, the reason I lost my mittens is I would often take my mittens off outside so that I could actually throw snowballs. Yes, my hands got cold, but boy, I could whip a good snowball. But then one of the mittens would fall out of your pocket, or you'd forget where you put it. You'd drop it on the way up the driveway, back to the house. Somehow or other, one of those mittens would go missing. That's why I always lost mittens. To this day, I still do that. For years and years, every winter, I lost a glove. I always wanted to have warm gloves because my hands get cold. Now my hands get cold. Then, as a kid, I didn't worry about it. But now my hands get cold. And for years and years, every winter, without fail, I would always lose a glove. I don't know how. Perhaps I'm haunted by a gremlin who likes gloves. I don't know. It's only in the past five to seven years that I've been able to hold on to a pair of gloves for more than one winter. But for years and years, no lie, I would lose a glove. And that goes back to my childhood. But anyway, getting back to the process of getting ready to go out to play. You can see it's a process. You got your long underwear, you got your snow pants, you got your sweatshirt, you got your knit hat, you got your gloves or your mittens, and you got your coat with a hood. You also had to have appropriate footwear. We couldn't wear sneakers, we couldn't wear shoes, we had to have snow boots. Not just boots, snow boots. That's what mom called them. Where are your snow boots? Now we had a box down in the basement, and at the end of the winter, all of the snow boots were put into this box, and the box was tucked under the cellar stairs. And it wouldn't see the light of day again until the next December. And so, ideally, all of the snow boots would be in this box. But without fail, that first day of the winter, when you're getting ready to go out and play, you've got all your snow clothes on, you're just looking for your snow boots. There was one missing. It had gotten put into a different box. It had fallen out of the box and was somewhere under the stairs. Somehow or other, one of us kids would have a missing boot. Now, for the longest time, our snow boots were just rubber boots that you would pull on over your shoes. We didn't have insulated boots. I don't know if they were a thing when I was a kid, because we never saw them. But rubber boots were affordable. My parents got each of us kids rubber boots, and we would pull those rubber boots on over our shoes so that we could go outside and play in the snow. Now, I don't know if you've ever owned rubber boots. I don't know if you've ever owned boots that you had to pull on over your shoes. But let me tell you, it is not an easy task. Because when I'm talking shoes, I'm talking real shoes, lace-up shoes, leather shoes with rubber heels. That's what I wore as a kid. I had sneakers, or tennis shoes, that's what we called them. But we couldn't wear those under snow boots because, number one, they weren't warm enough. And number two, they were even harder to get into rubber boots than regular shoes were. So picture this. You're a kid wearing a size, I don't know, call it a size 7. You're wearing a size 7 kid shoe. You have to put your shoe on. Then you have to take the rubber boot and put your shoed foot into the rubber boot and pull that rubber boot up over the shoe so that your shoe fit into the bottom of the boot. The boot itself was about 5 inches tall. 
you would tuck your snow pants into your boot. And then the boot had these little metal clasps that you had to hook up. If you've ever seen a fireman's coat where they have those metal clasps, you have to loop one through the hook on the other side and then pinch it shut. That's how you close the rubber boots. No zippers. That would be too easy. Let's challenge the kids. And it never failed. It was always a struggle getting those stupid rubber boots on. And because it was a struggle and you're sitting there in your winter clothes, you've got your snow pants, your long underwear, your sweatshirt, your coat on. The last thing you do is put on your boots. You're getting hot. You're getting angry. You're getting frustrated. Oh, it was just an ordeal. I don't know how my mom came up with a solution, but the answer to getting rubber boots on, at least for a little kid, at least when I was little, was you would get a sheet of wax paper. You know, the stuff you use for baking. Take a square of that so that it would wrap around the backside of your foot and cover the heel of your shoe. And then the wax paper made it easy for your shoe to slide into the rubber boot. Don't ask me. Physics. I don't know. It worked. And my mom developed this little ability to whip out that piece of wax paper as you're sliding your shoe into the boot so you didn't have a piece of wax paper hanging out of your boot. That was the process. That was the procedure to get ready to go outside and play. You thought the D-Day invasion required planning? Let me tell you, getting three kids in their snow gear ready to go out and play for an hour and a half? My mom was quite the tactician. She was able to coordinate all three outfits, all three sets of boots, all three sets of snow pants, all the hats, all the gloves. She had it all coordinated and got us all outside. I don't know how she did it, but she did it. Now, to give you an idea of what it looked like, if you've seen the movie A Christmas Story, Ralphie's brother... Ralphie's brother had the fancy snowsuit. Not everybody had a snowsuit. Not everybody wanted a snowsuit. But everybody was really bulked up like that. We had bulky snow pants. We had bulky jackets. We had the knit hats. We had the gloves. It looked like we were going on an Arctic expedition every time we went out. But that's because mom wanted us to stay warm. That's how she made it happen. Now, you'd think it would be difficult to play in all that gear. It wasn't. I mean, maybe we waddled around a little. But you know, you get used to it. You adjust. You learned to run up and down the driveway with your legs going. Yeah, you had that sound of snow pant legs. Everywhere you went. Could you whip a good snowball with that jacket and that sweatshirt and that long underwear? No, not as good as if you were throwing a baseball in the summertime, but you adjusted. You got used to it. Now, I'm not going to lie. When we got outside, that hood would come right off. As soon as we were out of the line of sight of the house, that hood came down. And if it got really hot, that hat would come off too. We would tuck it into a pocket because we knew we had to put it back on before we got home. But that hat would come off too. And yes, I took the hat off, even though I heard my mom's voice echoing, you lose most of your body heat through your head. That's why you need to wear a hat. To this day, I hear that voice. I don't know that that's 100% true. I think the scientists have said that's not really true. But that's a momism. And if mom tells it to you enough when you're a kid, it stays with you. That's one of those momisms like, if you swallow your gum, it'll stay in your stomach for seven years. Those momisms stay with you, so I'm always mindful of wearing a hat. I mean, I like hats anyway, but every winter, I hear my mom's voice, make sure you wear a hat. So I do. But yeah, when I was a kid, in the winter, as soon as we were out of mom's line of sight, hood goes off, hat goes in a pocket, and we could finally have some fun. And that fun that we would have in the wintertime, I've talked about that in the past. It was snowball fights, it was sledding, it was building ramps, we would make snow forts at times. You know, instead of a snowman, you'd make walls and try to build a fort. Some of the best forts we were able to make actually was when the snowplow would go by and they'd pile up the snow on the side of the road. They saved you the hassle of having to build the walls yourself. Then you could just burrow into the snow and you'd make your little fort inside the giant snowbank that the snowplow left. It was great for us kids. 
We didn't think about the fact that we were probably building in a structurally unsound pile of snow. We also didn't consider the fact that another plow might come by and perhaps collapse our fort on top of us. We didn't think about that. We just dug our little holes in the snowbank, and that would be our fort. It worked. We would also take our sleds and our toboggans and our flying saucers to whatever hills were nearby. We had a decent hill in our front yard. I talked about the ramp that we built, and we would try to launch the toboggan off the ramp. I think we were one of the early inventors of snowboards. Not that we were the only kids who did this, and we didn't take it any further than standing on the toboggan and trying to slide down the hill standing. But I'm sure that's where the idea of snowboarding came from. You just take that giant toboggan that one kid would stand on and hold the rope and try to ride it down the hill. You just modify that a little, and you make a snowboard. But yeah, we tried that. Why don't you stand on the toboggan, gamer dude? You can make it. Oh yeah, we would take turns trying to stand on the toboggan, go down the hill, and not break our necks. But I remember one hill near the house. The street that I grew up on, you would walk up the road, and at the top of the road, that was the elementary school that I went to school at. On the other side of the hill, the road went straight down, and there was also an open patch of land. There were trees at the very top of the hill, but then from the tree line, there was an open patch of land that went down about a quarter of a mile. Not straight down, but on a decent sledding angle. I mean, if you started at the top of the hill, hopped on your toboggan, you could ride to the bottom unimpeded, and you would get a head of steam built up. At the bottom of the hill, the road that I lived on intersected with another relatively major road, and on the other side of that road was a pond. Now, to get to this hill, as I said, you had to walk uphill like a half a mile from our house. And as kids, we didn't want to walk half a mile to go down this hill, even though it was a great hill. We had the hill in my front yard. We had the hill in Vinny's yard. We had enough hills to ride on. They weren't quite as steep as the hill by the school, but they were still decent hills to ride sleds on. But one winter, I think it was my mom, who offered to pack all the kids and their sleds in the station wagon and take us up the road so that we could ride our sleds down the hill by the elementary school. Now, this was a treat. We didn't have to walk anywhere, and it was that giant hill that we drove by a lot, but we never really slid down because it was too far from the house. But when mom offered to take us up there so we could try it out, oh, we were all on board. So we drove up to the school. Mom parked in the parking lot. We had to hike off the schoolyard through the trees, got to the tree line, and we got to the top of the hill. And when you're a little kid looking down a hill, it looks a whole lot steeper than it really is. And I don't want to say this hill looked like it was straight down, But it was pretty darn close for a little kid. Now we had our toboggans, we had our flying saucers. We all lined up ready to go down the hill. I chose the metal toboggan as my ride of choice. I figured I'd probably get a good ride out of that. And my friends Vinny went down, Ray went down, then it came to be my turn. Now it didn't really occur to me as I was getting ready to ride down the hill that cars might be coming on that street that was at the bottom of the hill. I didn't even think about that until after I started the ride. As I'm going down the hill and building up speed, it suddenly popped into my head, oh, what if there's a car coming? And as I continued to go down the hill and continued to build up speed, I realized, oh, there's a pond across the road. What if I go across the road? Will I wind up on the pond? And is the ice thick enough to hold me? These are the thoughts that are flashing in my head after I'd already jumped on the toboggan. I was speeding down the hill and realized that perhaps I had not made the wisest of choices to do this. And as I'm going down the hill, and the speed is increasing, and the road is getting closer, and the pond is getting bigger, I'm starting to panic. Because when I say, this is an open field, it's an open field. There's nothing in the way. It's downhill, a quarter of a mile long. I know it's a quarter of a mile, because in later years, I ran this stretch of road, and it's a quarter of a mile long. So I know, it's a quarter of a mile hill, and I'm sliding down it on a metal toboggan. I don't remember exactly when the decision hit me to bail, 
but it was before I got to the road. Now, fortunately, I didn't have my feet tucked under the curl of the toboggan. If you know what a toboggan looks like, it has that curl at the very front. And if you have multiple people riding the toboggan, there's always somebody up front with their feet tucked under the curl. And then you stack two or three people behind them, depending on how big your toboggan is. But I was riding solo. And so I was using the curl to brace my feet rather than tuck my feet under. And I was holding onto the rope as I slid down the hill. And the road is getting closer. And the pond is getting bigger. And at some point, my fight or flight instinct kicked in and I chose flight. I don't know how fast I was going, but I bailed. I want to say I rolled off the toboggan. I think I dove off that toboggan. Somehow or other, I got some lift off that toboggan and just dove to the side. And sure enough, that toboggan skittered across the road, went over the little embankment next to the pond, and just before it hit the pond, came to a stop. Now, if I was still on that toboggan, who knows how far it would have gone. But I'm happy to say I didn't have to find out. Yeah, we had some good times when I was a kid. We had some good times out in the snow. Despite all of the stuff we had to wear to keep ourselves warm, we did have some good times. Nowadays, my good times in the wintertime, they're on a beach in Florida or South Carolina. They're a nice trip to a warm weather location, any place where there's not snow. That, to me, is fun in the winter. But when I was a kid, oh yeah, I was out there in the snow. I look back now and say, what was I thinking? Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being here. As always, I truly appreciate all of your support and all of the time that you spend listening to these episodes. You guys take care of yourselves. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you.